Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Magic Podcast. Seth Green is a five-time best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized direct response marketing expert who is CEO of one of the fastest-growing direct response marketing firms in the country. To get free access to a download of his new book, Podcast Marketing Magic, and a free live training webinar that will show you how you can use a podcast to attract new customers and referrals like magic, simply register at www.ultimatemarketingmagician.com. On the podcast, Seth brings together some of the most cutting-edge thought leaders in the world to share with you how they grow their businesses and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune of interviewing Matt Freshard. Matt is Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for HCL Technologies, hcltech.com. He leads all marketing functions, including global business, strategic marketing, sales enablement, and corporate communications to drive demand, growth, and value for the HCL Technologies brand. We're going to talk about his two decades of leadership experience in marketing and strategic development in a minute. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Great, Seth. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Thanks a lot. Oh, my pleasure. Now, you did not start out as CMO of HCL. You had have had quite an amazing career path from Windstream to IBM, even back before that. Let's. How did you get started? <laughs> it's a great question, and uh, you know what you probably do not see on my my public LinkedIn resume. Uh, I actually got started when when I was 18 years old. Uh, and I was going to college. I grew up in Europe, and my very first, in quotes, real job that I had is I actually, believe it or not, I sold life insurance door-to-door uh, for about a year. And I can honestly tell all of you who, you know, may be contemplating a career in marketing or in sales, it was one of the most challenging and difficult jobs I've ever had. It was also eye-opening, and that's how I originally got started I then did a whole range of odd jobs, you know, that one does probably while they, you know, work through college and eventually had an opportunity to get a a master's degree at Emory and then started my corporate career at UPS, IBM, Windstream, and now uh, HCL. So let's talk about that. I mean, that's a very short answer to a very long journey. Let's talk a little bit about your work at IBM and their Global Smarter Planet campaign and some of that, and then we'll move on to Windstream and then HCL. Absolutely. So, um, you know, again, I had the great fortune to to join IBM in 98, um, spent almost 15 years with Big Blue, uh, very good and fond memories. And, um, you know, somewhere around the 2003-2004 timeframe, I moved from a consulting role to the corporate offices and ended up being the vice president of marketing, uh, in part responsible for all of our brand positioning and, uh, you know, efforts around. At the time, which was e-business, became on-demand business, and eventually uh, turned into a smarter planet. 
and I, you know, looking back, <clears throat> it's clearly one of the, the personal highlights of my career. You know, I had the pleasure of working very closely at the time with uh, with John Awada, uh, who's still the current head of marketing and communications, John Kennedy, who today I think is the CMO for Xerox, and a number of other dis- distinguished marketeers. But the one thing that struck me maybe most about our Smarter Planet initiative was just the notion that, you know, IBM positioned itself uh, not just as a, as a company positioning, but position Smarter Planet and the ubiquity of technology for the greater good of all companies, all in institutions, whether they're educational institutions uh, and for the, 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 you know, the planet at large. And if you go back in time, you know, what people tend to forget is right around 2008 is when we had the major economic, uh, you know, meltdown, so to speak. And what was striking is um, in January of 2009, in fact, there was a tremendous amount of interest, including the White House that actually called IBM at the time. And, uh, and you know, the short uh, version of it was, look, you, you're probably the only company out there right now that's not talking about cost-cutting and doom and gloom. You are, in fact, talking about a positive vision for companies, institutions, and for the world at large. Let us learn more. We'd like to partner with you. So, you know, in a nutshell, a, a great experience. And, uh, you know, I still uh, think back very proudly. And again, having had a chance to work with some brilliant marketeers as well. Absolutely. And then, how did you go from there to Windstream? Yeah, in, in you know, there was an opportunity uh, in 2013 to, you know, after 15 years, five years with UPS prior to that, and 15 years with IBM, I had the opportunity to explore and become the CMO. And Windstream was a and still is about roughly a $6 billion uh, telecommunications company based in Little Rock, Arkansas. And, you know, I met at the time the entire leadership team. They had a very compelling and interesting vision, which was to continue to establish OneStream as a, a truly national player, to move into the enterprise space, and to really build out the marketing function and implicit in that to build out the Windstream brand, to do more around demand generation, to closely align it to sales, to, to explore in the digital space. And um, so, you know, <clears throat> it was a tough decision, but after 15 years, I figured, you know what, this is my first CMO potential opportunity. I took it and I had a fantastic year, you know, working uh, with Windstream and the team there. And then how'd you get from Windstream to HCL? So, you know, as life happens occasionally, um, you know, I had spoken to, to Windstream a while back as well. And Windstream kind of knocked on my door and they said, look, we are a, a global uh, IT services company. We're growing in the double digits. We're, you know, our two key growth markets are both North America and Europe, and, you know, we're looking for a, a global CMO preference to be based in New York, and you'll have an opportunity to report to the CEO, 
be a member of the senior leadership team and to help us on our growth trajectory to help integrate marketing, help build a global brand, move, you know, work very closely with sales and and help us to continue to grow double digit while also, you know, leading all aspects of marketing and communications. And frankly speaking, that was just an opportunity that was too good to pass. I've been here now for a year and a half. It's been a exceptionally interesting and fascinating journey. We have since I've joined, you know, continued to grow, knock on wood. We've done a lot of things in the marketing space, you know, including a strategic partnership as a digital transformation partner with Manchester United, you know, one of the largest sports clubs in the world. We've cracked the, you know, the Fortune or the yeah, the Fortune five hundred for the first time with brand value, one of the top ten employers in India. And, you know, in general it's been a fantastic move and is really just encouraging to have an opportunity to work for such a great company. Absolutely. What do you wish you knew when you started that you know now? <laughs> you know, another uh, uh, great question. Um, there's a few things that, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I knew at the time, but when I, when I look back, I, I, I do reflect upon and you know, I these things usually come in two or three. So, so I, I, you know, a lot of people ask me and they say, you know, about career planning and and how do you plan your career and which steps do you need to take? And and one of the first questions that I always ask people is, so what is your 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 dream job? What is the job that motivates or you know that if you could design your own job, what would it look like? And the reason why I ask that is because in my almost 25 years now doing this, the one thing that's held true is that those who've been most successful, whether those are peers or others, are usually those who truly enjoy what they do. And, you know, I personally have been fortunate, I think, in, along the same lines. I, I really thoroughly enjoy what I do, but it's one of, of, of three things, I would say. The second thing it's a very important reminder, and I'm sure people have heard this before, but it's important to remind yourself that your career is the, you know, if you want to use a sports analogy, and apologies for doing that, but your career is a marathon, and it is not a 10K race. So you have to pace yourself. You have to, to kind of take things in stride and, you know, I remember very early on in my career where I always felt I have to get promoted and, and move very quickly. Um, you know, the only thing, for example, for all of you who, who may be at a certain point, the only thing worse than being promoted not slowly enough is sometimes being promoted too fast. So keep that in mind. And then the third one, just from a personality perspective, and maybe my background in sports has helped me here a little bit, is I think if if you truly want to, you know, if you aspire to be a member of the C-suite, you aspire to be a CXO, just keep in mind that persistence and perseverance are one of the single most important uh, personality traits that I think you have to to keep in mind. You will encounter many difficult situations. You will be knocked down, and the notion and ability to 
you know, to get back on the horse, so to speak, and to overcome adversity, it's probably one of the single most important things uh, I would uh, point out as part of, 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 you know, your overall career. Absolutely. What has been, has, I mean, even though you've had such a, for lack of a hockey stick curve growth in your career, um, what have been some of the adversities you've overcome? And more importantly, what did you learn from that? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, if, <laughs> there are a number of, of, you know, adversities, lessons learned, and, you know, there's a couple that kind of always come to mind. I remember, you know, early on when I had probably more of a sales and, and I was a consultant, you know, the I remember some of the pressures, whether they're they're quota related pressures and 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 notion to 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 close business. And I can tell you from personal experience, you know, one of the, the things I always remind myself is uh at the end of the day, people do business with people they know and trust. And, you know, whether this is in marketing or in sales, you you have to keep that in mind and you cannot push too hard at certain times. Um, the second thing, and this was actually in the early days, and not so early days, this was before we ended up with our Smarter Planet positioning at IBM, we were you know, contemplating we had to move off the business and we ended up with a positioning around what at the time was was on-demand business. And I can honestly tell you we tried that for a number of years. It felt in, in, in retrospect almost like swimming upstream. You know, the on-demand was a little bit, was much more viscerally uh, appealing to some and much more... Uh, narrow than the actual capabilities of of IBM. And the the biggest lesson learned from that from and I live by that to this day is words matter. If you're in marketing or communications, just never never underestimate the power of words and and how you use them. And you know, for those of, of for those who have worked with me in the past I always say, just remember, I do read copy. I may be the CMO, but I read copy for just about anything because words, you know, truly matter. So those are two kind of lessons learned. There's a few others along the way. And, you know, as I said before, the one thing I'd I'd say to everyone, um, you will make mistakes along the way. I know I've made my fair share of personal and business mistakes but, you know, how you rebound and how you then uh, uh, get better is probably uh, the single most important aspect. Absolutely. What do you like best about what you're doing now? Um, there's a couple of things. Um, one is, you know, I've been now in the in the technology space for, you know, quite some time. I think the IT services space and the technology space in general is just a super interesting and vibrant industry that's constantly changing, evolving at a rapid pace, and with that uh, comes uh, uh, you know uh, a, a just a, a thrill day in and day out that that you know is, is is very contagious. The second part is you know I'm fortunate enough to be the global CMO 
of a, a pretty good size uh, company. And as someone who grew up in Europe, spent half of my life in Europe, not a second half of my life in the U.S., I also spent a couple of years in, in Asia, in Taipei as, as a child. Um, I, I just like the, the ability to work for a global company uh, and, and work, you know, with a very diverse and very interesting and, and, and focused uh, uh, group of people. And then um, the third one, you know, and this is one thing that's been the constant, I just personally uh, really like the, the, the field of marketing and communications. I think it is a fascinating discipline. It's, it continues to evolve. I mean, if I go back of what we did 10 or 15 years ago and just look at, at the, the massive amount of change that's happening as a discipline, it is just super interesting, right? Both the creative side, the analytic side, the, you know, the social media and, and technology side. So those are the things that just, um, that just really thrill me and kind of keep me going every day. Absolutely. We, you have... You're a publicly traded company. You've got hundreds of thousands of employees. Um, how do you deal with that? What are the, some of the challenges uh, that come with that, and how do you balance those? Yeah, it's, I think, you know, once you become a global company, um, the, you know, one of the most important aspects, and we, we actually pride ourselves on that in HCL. We, we are a very employee-centric company. In, in fact, we... Um, you know, one of our key mantras, so to speak, is is employees first, customer second. So we believe that when you empower your frontline employees, when you uh, create an environment where your frontline employees are representing you as a company, they're your brand custodians, then they will, in fact, do the right thing for your customers. And I think, you know, when you grow fast and you increasingly, you know, become global, and 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 uh and do so it's a combination of creating the right level of of programs but then it's also uh you know uh, uh i think very important for all the senior leaders to spend time in the various geographies with your employees and so you know i'm based here out of new york but just to give you a sense for the month of april which is pretty representative for uh my life in general. You know, next week I'm, I'm in Europe in two or three countries. Uh, then I'm back in the U.S., probably going to the West Coast. And then towards the end of the month, I'm spending a, a week in India. And most of those trips are always a combination of meeting with all the local HCL teams, but also meeting with customers, with influencers, with media, etc. So I think you have to find the right, in general, you know, set up as a company, and I think in HCL we have a very good balance with, with our focus on employees, but then it also requires personal engagement of our senior leadership, and I think this is representative of of all of our senior leaders in HCL, including our CEO, who's who spends a significant amount of time with all of the teams in the field, so to speak. That makes sense. There are the average tenure in the executive suite at such a big company is very, very low, but but you've had significant lengths of time at every at all at the three major companies you've worked for. What do you attribute your staying power to? 
Um, I, <laughs> um, I think a couple of things. One is, I think you always, uh, in your career, need a little bit of luck, right? Uh, I also, you know, have been very fortunate. I've had uh, a tremendous set of mentors throughout my career. You know, I still have, you know, personal contact with one or two today of the most senior executives at UPS who took me under their wing when I first got started. Uh, I've been super fortunate, uh, you know, at IBM, and there are many colleagues today still at IBM and other CMOs who at some point or another throughout their career uh, provided guidance and help. And then, you know, I think the other part is um, I enjoy what I do. I think uh, what people tell me, I'm pretty passionate about what I do. I care. I'm a, a team player and, and put a tremendous emphasis on on team building and collaboration. And, um, you know, while I do that, I've also uh, been fortunate enough, knock on wood, to, uh, I, I would hope, you know, deliver uh, pretty stellar results in, in, in what we try to accomplish. So at the end of the day, I don't think it's one specific thing, but I think, you know, a combination of what I mentioned. Uh, and then maybe the only thing I'd add is, as I said earlier, a certain level of persistence, perseverance, and a, a keen level of curiosity of what's new, right, or probably some personality traits that, uh, uh, that I would bring to the forefront. That makes sense as well. I know you're a voracious learner. What are three of the best books you've ever read that had the biggest impact on your work? Interesting question. So there's a, you know, I've, I, I read a lot to begin with, but there's probably two or three that, that I, I would mention. Um, I, I really, uh, to this day, and I still have it actually at my desk, I like uh, Seth Godin's Purple Cow mm -hmm. and the whole notion around and the importance of being remarkable. And, you know, this question as a marketeer, do you, um, how do you do that? How do you, you know, overcome what I call the sea of sameness? How do you become remarkable? And so I, I, I like that book uh, a lot. The second one, and it's, it's less the entire book than, than just a specific element of it is, uh, I, I really like the, uh, uh, Malcolm Gl uh, Gladwell's Outliers, and specifically within that, you know, and I know it's been, you know, there's some people who may not agree with it, but this notion of the 10,000-hour rule, right, this entire assertion of whether you're in sports, in business, or, you know, in, in, in science, that if you want to be the best of the best, there's a pattern that you have to invest 10,000 hours into what you do. It probably ties directly back to my earlier comment about persistence and perseverance, right? Resonates very well with me. And then the last one, which is one that I have had next to my phone for at least the last 10 years, is a little handbook. And the little handbook says, don't sweat the small stuff at work, by Richard Carlson. Or as my friend and colleague Jeff Hazlett would say, you know, Matt, nobody died today. 
So I think it's a good reminder for all of us who have stressful jobs that sometimes you just need to maintain a certain level of levity and fun, especially when things get a little bit dicey or a little bit stressful. And so these are two or three things that I kind of, or books that I go back to uh, quite frequently and just remind me, you know, how to do my day-to-day job. Absolutely. Great recommendations, great books, fascinating interview. I've got tons of notes. Um, I'm sure everyone else does too. Anything else you want to share that I didn't think to ask you? Yeah, I think the only other thing that, or only one or two things I would probably say is, you know, as you build out your career, as you think about what you do, um, just just two things. One is don't underestimate the strengths of your network. So continue to build your personal and your professional relationships. Uh, the people that you can call when you either have a, a really tricky situation or a business issue, they are the ones who, you know, who you may have worked with years ago, maintain those uh, relationships. They're really, really important. And then the second part, particularly if you're in marketing and communications, this is such a fast-moving discipline. Uh, knowledge and insight into where and how this discipline goes is something you're personally responsible for. So this notion of, of educating yourself, you know, whether it is in social media or if you don't have a background in analytics, you will need to understand something about data and analytics. Or if it is in technology, you don't have to know every technology, but trust me, you need to understand some aspects of it. And maybe your your employer will provide you the opportunities. But if you want to be at the bleeding edge, it's upon you to 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 do so. And you know, I always remind people you're responsible for for yourself and 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 for your own uh self learning, so to speak. And then lastly, most importantly, have fun. If you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying what you're gonna do, then it's time to probably do something else. But if you want to be successful, the most successful people in life are those who do what they enjoy and it always comes through. So those were just a couple other things I probably wanted to mention uh, to kind of round this out. Okay. Thank you so much for your very valuable time. This has been Seth Green with Matt Pretchern from HCL Technologies. Matt, thank you so much again for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Seth. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.